Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to Believing Saints, part of the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your co-host, Kate Kistner, an editor at Canal Street Chronicles. And I'm Maddie Hudak, also an editor over at Canal Street Chronicles. Hey, what's going on, guys? This former New Orleans Saints cornerback, Delvin Bro here, New Orleans native. I just want to say thank you. Bro Show, out. Welcome back to the Believe in Saints podcast. This is our first Friday episode. And this will just be Kate Kistner and Maddie Hudak. We're going to preview this highly anticipated Week 15 matchup, the New Orleans Saints versus the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, so I think the first thing that we're going to start with today is the injury report just came out for Thursday. So this is the second injury report of the week. So a couple highlights here. So the O-line is totally back, aside from Easton, who did not practice for the second day in a row. Uh, He's got a concussion. So it looks like the Saints are going to have to roll with uh, Andrews Pete and Cesar Ruiz as interior linemen there, which, if you're a Saints fan, probably got a little bit of uh, some reservations going into this game. Additionally, Michael Thomas is uh, did not practice for the second day in a row. Uh, Maggie, though, we, we, we've seen this before, where Michael Thomas has had a high ankle sprain. He's been dealing with some hamstring stuff. This one, he was listed as an ankle again. Do you think this is something that uh, Saints fans need to be worried about, or do you think Michael Thomas is going to be good to go on Sunday uh, against this marquee matchup against uh, the Chiefs? When when he showed up yesterday, it, it was a little less concerning. The Saints kind of tend to give people off early on in the week. It is a little concerning to see did not practice two weeks in a, or I'm sorry, two days in a row now. And like you said, it being that ankle injury, he's finally kind of started to come back into our offense. So I think, you know, if he's limited tomorrow, then we're probably going to in a good place. But if we see a third do not practice, I would start mentally preparing to maybe be without, you know, our top offensive weapon another time this season. I still have a gut feeling that he's probably going to take the field on Sunday. I just don't envision a scenario unless he is really injured where he's not going to be playing against the reigning Super Bowl champions. You know, Michael Thomas, he can go out there on, on one day of practice or he could probably go out there without any practice in the week and go out there and be, be effective. Uh, that's what makes him one of the best in the league. But of interesting note too, maybe a little bit more of a silver lining is that Deontay Harris did not practice on Wednesday, but he was actually upgraded to limited and he's missed the last two games. He is the, uh, a Pro Bowl punt returner or kick returner specialist. And so having him back there uh, returning kicks and punts, I think would be a huge upgrade to the special teams unit. And additionally, before he got injured, he was really kind of starting to come on uh, in the offense itself. He was having a few packages that were set up for him specifically to run the ball. Uh, and on top of that, he uh, he was really kind of coming into himself, uh, running routes out there in the offense. So uh, if he could come back, that would be another significant upgrade to uh, just two different phases of the game. Yeah, I agree, especially because, you know, no offense to Tommy Lee Lewis, but it's just too much of the ghosts of Saints past every time he's back there. And we'll get into this kind of when we break down the quarterbacks, but 
of significance to Harris is he seems to really connect with Hill very well. And so if he's able to get back out there, especially if there's a small chance that Thomas isn't back out there, I think that could be, you know, pretty significant for our offense as well. Totally agree with you on that. You kind of mentioned a little bit the, the quarterbacks. So right now we are in, in Saints land right now. We are in the midst of quarterback controversy. And it's been that way since week 10 when Drew Brees exited with uh, some rib injuries, collapsed lung. And then the clam, you know, we started hearing clamoring for Taysom Hill to start. And we started hearing the other side of, well, Jameis Winston should start. He threw, you know, 30 touchdowns and 5,000 yards. I think Sean Payton knew exactly who he was going to go to uh, if this happened in Drew. I think it was always going to be Taysom Hill. You know, you look at the first round tender they put on him in the offseason. They had this propaganda coming out that he was the next Steve Young. People thought, well, maybe, maybe we can, maybe we can uh, have a team bite and, and sign him and we get a first round pick. And when that didn't happen, they doubled down. They gave him a two year, $21 million deal. And Sean Payton has just been infatuated with Taysom Hill. Hill was always going to be the guy in 2020. So Hill has started four games. He's three and one as a starter. If Drew doesn't play this week, do you agree with some of the people that are saying, let Jameis have a start? Let's roll him out there, see what he looks like, see what we have in him, see what he looks like in the offense. Do you, do you think that makes any sense? I mean, no. Like, let's roll him out there and see what we have. This is not the game to do that. It's not so much a knock against Winston as much as it is that we've now spent four weeks trying to kind of develop this offense around Taysom Hill and see kind of, you know, where he excels and he's kind of identified some weapons that are different from Drew Brees, like Deontay Harris, we mentioned earlier. Uh, but Adam Trotman, as as well, he's kind of identified these weapons and started to get into a rhythm. I just don't see the benefit in putting someone that's cold off the bench into a game where we're already going to be kind of at a disadvantage at quarterback. And just, you know, losing that familiarity on offense is just, you know, not personally where I think we're going with this. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I mean, Taysom Hill has had five weeks of practice now, taking first team reps, and he's had four games. He's looked good in most of them, been a leader, and the team has been rallying around him. I'm not saying that Winston couldn't do it. I'm not saying that Winston might not even, he might be the guy in 2021. He might be the guy in the building that Sean Payton keeps referencing. But to run him out here against the Chiefs, no. But that brings us to some news that we heard today. Uh, surrounding Drew Brees. Here's what Sean Payton had to say on Thursday morning about how the Saints are going to decide on whether Drew Brees plays or not. He said, it's pretty simple. Uh, it's about functionality, strength, and throwing without soreness. Uh, he says there's a process. Uh, he also mentioned that Drew threw last week with the trainers. Apparently that didn't go so well. But now uh, he's had some more throwing sessions and it's really about whether Brees is able to uh, be asymptomatic feel good and strong and feel as if he can be an asset to the team. What all that tells me, Maddie, is that the ball is in Drew's court, I feel like, right now. And then just to kind of point to that as well, a lot of people, you know, kind of point to last year and how Drew tried to rush out there, you know, as soon as he could. It, it was pretty telling that he was the one that took himself out of the 49ers game. And I think that maybe more of like a hesitance and awareness of what this injury is like for him this time around. Normally I'd be a little nervous leaving it up to Breeze, but given that he was the one 
And those are the specific things that he mentioned in that press conference was he didn't feel like he was able to function and be an asset to the team. And so I genuinely think if he does feel that way, he's he's just not going to push it. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you on that. And, and he is the ultimate competitor. I mean, trust me, I, I've, I've played sports. I, I, I am one of the most competitive people that I know. And I know if that I was in that situation, like, I want to go out and play. But Drew Brees is even more competitive. He's a fierce competitor. And so I feel like he's going to do everything that he can to get out there on that field. But like you said, he has shown restraint in the not-so-recent past with his injuries and what he can do for this team. You know, as Sean Payton said, we'll just see how this week goes. But let's say Drew is pretty much ready to go. What do you do? Do you play Drew? Do you play Taysom? How do you make that decision, especially up against the Chiefs? Now, if this were like someone against like the Falcons or the Jets or whoever, and Drew say, I'm ready to go, easy day. You throw him out there. This is against the Chiefs. Maggie, you're Sean Payton right now. Give me a case to play Drew Brees on Sunday. Uh, we saw Peyton finally start to be negative, not not so much negative, but actually give public criticism of Taysom Hill for the first time. It's kind of been maddening these couple weeks where, you know, we have noticed that there are some issues with his play as much as there's been positives. You know, we've kind of glossed over that and focused on the fumbles. But, you know, I think Peyton finally started to criticize Hill for, you know, his issue with processing and getting the ball out quick, not really being able to navigate that as quickly, if Drew is 100% healthy, because that's really what this comes down to. I think if he's 95 or less, it, it, we just don't do it. Because of the things that we mentioned earlier with our O-line, especially that interior O-line. Pete, Peyton, again, doesn't normally name players in the media. He named Pete in specific that he needs to be better at what he's doing. And now we're going to have Ruiz flanking the interior with him who has struggled this season, and understandably so. This wasn't the position he was drafted for, and he didn't have any type of offseason to really actually either learn how to play guard or move into the center role. But Ruiz was the one that's responsible for Drew's injury in Week 10. If Drew is totally healthy, then I almost see a positive with a depleted O-line with him because he's just a lot better at navigating those collapses and getting the ball out quick on checkdowns. And then you obviously just can't understate that it's Drew Brees. You know, this would be the ultimate aerial duel if it was a healthy Brees versus an aerial Mahomes. I think that, you know, the Chiefs had have had some issues in their secondary, especially for coming from behind. At the end of last game, Drew Brees would have won that game for us straight up. If this does end up being kind of a close game, which the last couple games for the Chiefs have been, they've all been six points or less for the last six. So... If it came down to an end game, you know, who can kind of do the better two-minute drill, then I, I take Drew Brees every day. Yeah, and I want to expand on a couple of things that you said there. So let's say Drew is 100%. You got to go with him. Because here's the thing. This offense is tailor-made for Drew Brees. Yeah. It's built for him, right? I mean, you look at the last 15 years, and it's evolved as Drew Brees has, let's say, evolved as well. His progressions, he gets through them so quickly. He really doesn't take sacks. Uh, even with uh, an O-line that, you know, possibly is going to collapse in around him, he's going to get the ball out. And like you said, like, the Chiefs have had some really tough times with decent QBs this year. Here we go. You mentioned that uh, the last uh, five or six games, 
the Chiefs have been, they've won them, but they've been within six points. So one score, a touchdown, right? They've played Tua most recently in week 14. He scored, he threw for 316 yards. Uh, the Chiefs beat the Broncos by six points. Locke only threw for 151 yards, but it just shows that even a relatively solid defense can keep the game close. Perhaps one of the best matchups that more closely resembles the Saints here is the Chiefs beat the Bucks 27-24 in Week 12. Brady threw for 345 yards, and the Buccaneers have the 7th-ranked defense in the NFL. And then you can keep going back. They lost to the Raiders in Week 5 and almost lost to them in Week 11. And Derek Carr threw for 347 yards. In the first matchup, 275 yards in the second matchup, and they've got the 25th ranked defense. You're telling me that Drew Brees can't go out there and give the same, uh, give the Chiefs defense some, uh, some extra work. Drew's going to be able to carve him, carve him up. Taysom hasn't proven that he can get through his progressions fast enough to be able to take advantage of the Chiefs secondary effectively. You all win this game. You play your breeze. Right. No, I agree. And and another note about Michael Thomas as well. If he doesn't end up playing, he has been a security blanket for Taysom Hill. And Drew has, you know, when he finally started to find his groove, it was with Jawan Johnson, Marquez Calloway, and, and Deontay Harris, and, you know, a bunch of undrafted rookie receivers. And, and so if if we don't have Michael Thomas, then Drew has a much better case of being able to navigate with the unknowns on the Saints' offense than Taysom Hill. Yeah, I totally agree. Drew, just like this year he's shown it, and he's done it his entire career, he has elevated wide receivers who are relatively unknown. And on top of that, he utilizes Alvin Kamara in the passing game, and that's something that Taysom Hill has not proven that he can do yet because I don't think he gets through his progressions fast enough to get to the check down to Alvin Kamara. But as much as we're hyping Drew up here, there's definitely some negatives to maybe running Drew out there for this game. And there's some obvious cons. Uh, and maybe you do want to run Taysom out. There are some strengths that Taysom can bring in this game that Drew just can't. And I think some of that is that Taysom, the Chiefs are going to blitz a lot, right? They're going to blitz. That's how their, that's how their, their defense works. And, and you kind of talked about offline a little bit is that, but, these cheese blitzes, they take a little bit of time to develop. And so maybe you want to kind of go into that a little bit more and maybe why Taysom's strength with how the Chiefs blitz might actually benefit playing Taysom. The Chiefs have uh, a Saints familiar, but not for great reasons, uh, Steve Spagnolo as their defensive coordinator. So we have that familiarity, but we also know that he loves to blitz. But I, I looked at a couple of, you know, their, their blitz packages and the ones where they were able to sack Tua last week because that was a really good preview for, you know, what Taysom would look like against this defense more than, you know, what, what Drew would be like against this defense because of Tua's mobility. So their blitz packages, the ones that worked best are the ones that took a little more time to develop. Uh, there was one in the end zone where they were able to crash the interior, which as we've discussed, is a point of issue for the Saints, but it, it takes more time to develop. Taysom does take a little more time to process his reads, but if these blitz packages that they're running are ones that take a little longer to develop, then Hill might be able to process that. And if you look back at that sack, there are like four or five 
guys that just completely came down the middle and ate Tua alive. If that's Drew back there, Drew is getting killed. Like he, he's just can't even remotely get away from that. Taysom, he might. I, I think that he really kind of found his footing in the Falcons game where he was using his mobility more. And then last week, we kind of went back to this. We're going to have Taysom throw the ball 38 times. He's going to have five carries. You know, we, the whole point about Taysom is his mobility. If we need to really start using that, you know, maybe we see some more play action. If he's able to kind of see that blitz or if Taron Armstead can tell him that the blitz is coming, then he able either can, you know, kind of fend off that pass rush with his feet to kind of find someone to throw it away to, or the blitz just takes too long and Taysom, you know, has that extra time to get through his reads. Right. Well, you mentioned it, play action, right? I mean, here's the thing about the play action is that typically speaking, that's, that's where teams think that they can maybe beat the Chiefs. But of interesting note, and uh, shout out to Andrew Bell of uh, King Street Chronicles here. He gave us some interesting numbers on Kansas City's defense at defending the play action. Kansas City only allows 5.4 yards per play allowed. That's the best in the league for play action. If you have Drew Brees in, you're not calling play action plays. You're not. Taysom Hill, you're going to call play action play. You're going to call play action. And it's as simple as that. That's why this matchup, I think, is far better suited for Drew Brees. And we can go back to Taysom, too. Like, hey, fumbles, right? Since he started his four starts, he has been the player in the NFL with the most amount of fumbles. He's also indecisive. Uh, He can't decide, you know, okay, uh, I'm going to read the defense here. I'm getting some help reading the defense. We're going to add some extra motions. But at the end of the day, he's going to throw to who he feels most comfortable with. Mike Thomas. And if what happens if he's not there? We kind of talked about that. And I, But I think the biggest thing is that every time we look at these film studies after, after every game that Taysom has started, we see receivers wide open, middle of the field, down the sideline. It doesn't matter. They are wide open. There's touchdowns that have been kept off the board because Taysom either doesn't see it or he's too indecisive to make the throw. You're not going to beat the Kansas City Chiefs, who are arguably the best team in the NFL, by having those missed opportunities. You can have no margin of error if you want to beat Kansas City. Right. And I think Taysom Hill is going to leave a lot on the board. That game against the Eagles was winnable. But Taysom, as it stands right now, with only four starts under his belt, going up against the Kansas City Chiefs, I don't see how he's got the ability right now to win that game. Well, this this is like a, you know, Taysom's tail kind of thing. Like we've all said, you know, even in the games where Hill has looked good, it's been, oh, it was the Falcons, you know, that kind of thing. But you can't get a more prime opponent than the Kansas City Chiefs. So if Taysom really, if, we, if they want us to believe that Taysom is genuinely the quarterback of the future, they have to go out there with the best game plan possible. Taysom needs to play lights out. And if he makes mistakes, he needs to, just like Breeze when he throws an interception and he gets right back out there and it's like nothing ever happened. I think hoping for Taysom not to fumble is just going to lead to a lot of elevated blood pressure for a lot of people. But I think what's more important is our defense, again, needs to step up in the event of those turnovers. And Taysom just needs to be able to kind of brush that off his shoulder. And I think 
despite all the negatives last game, he did show a lot of resilience in the end of the game, even though it was slower. He still was faced with the tall task of kind of, you know, making that happen at the end. And we weren't honestly an onside kick away from winning that game. Yeah, you're right. <clears throat> and I think the recipe for beating this, the Kansas City Chiefs are a couple of things. Good quarterback play, a good defensive showing. If the defense, if the Saints defense that showed up against the Eagles shows up against Kansas City, you might want to turn off the TV at, at, at 50 to 7. And then on top of that, is clock management. Maggie, I mean, you you were talking about 2018 Bill Belichick. Is that, you think that's the recipe for beating the Chiefs? Yeah. So, you know, when I was kind of looking into this earlier, Belichick beat them twice in 2018. That was a lot of that was controlling the, the clock. But at the same time, that was Brady, you know, leading a methodical offense a la Drew Brees. Brees can do that. I'm not sure Hill can, but... Something that's very mind blowing to me every couple of the past couple seasons is Sean will start using Latavius Murray. He'll have a break- breakout game. Right after that, we see no Latavius Murray. And I can't fathom why we had 20 rushes last week. I, I think that we need to burn the clock running here because we're not going to score every play without Drew Brees. It's just not going to happen. What is going to happen is the Chiefs are probably going to score on every play. So as much as we can limit that as much as possible and then this game kind of comes down almost to those wonky things like turnovers and and penalties and those kind of things i just think that this is going to be a weird game plan where you know we need to kind of try to control this game on the ground because last week we had Taysom throwing 38 times that's not going to work against chiefs totally agree with you and and like you said it's going to come down to three five six points at the end of all of this and it's going to come down to who made the most of their opportunities. And that is why I think if Drew Brees is healthy, you got to play him because there's not going to be a margin of error. And Taysom to succeed is going to need to be able to have a margin of error that he says, okay, I can mess up this many times. I can miss this many wide open receivers. I can fumble the ball this many times. And our team is good enough that they're going to pick up the slack and we can win. But you can't and we ca- do that against this team. Right. And and so we were kind of talking about this earlier. So I'm just curious about, you know, kind of throwing this in there. I especially, you know, I do almost have the thought that Peyton is almost baiting us in the media like he tends to do. And we're all like, oh, I want, you know, thinking that Breeze is going to play and there's absolutely no shot. But what if we go kind of back to before Breeze went down and it was irritating at the time. But now that we've seen Taysom actually out there as a quarterback, we didn't kind of talk, we talked more about Breeze's injury, but we didn't kind of go over the fact that no matter what, he's going to be rusty because this isn't an injury where he's able to throw at all when he's hurt. Like, you know, the thumb, he could still, you know, start doing some, you know, range of motion, but he's, he's going to be rusty either way, even if he's healthy. So what about a lightened workload where they actually kind of finally play two quarterbacks like uh, Bill Walsh? Yeah, fantastic question. And I want to just point out, I think life for the New Orleans Saints is going to be completely changed when Drew Brees comes back. Because here's the thing. Prior to Taysom Hill's four starts, he had 20 pass attempts his entire NFL career. Every time he lined up under center, 99% chance he was going to run the ball. Now, 
we've seen what he's capable of. We've seen that he's capable of throwing the ball. This game, if Drew comes back, he might play 65% of the offensive snaps. And I think Taysom is going to take the other 35%. And I don't think that that's going to be unique to the Kansas City Chiefs game. I think you're going to see that all the way throughout the rest of the season, all the way throughout the playoffs, as far as uh, the Saints can go. It is going to make teams have to prepare for a Hall of Fame quarterback as well as a mobile quarterback who can sling the ball as well. Yeah, it, it's it's like Sean Payton's dream come true. If that, you know, he can actually kind of start pulling off that system. And, and you're right. You know, we every time that Hill got under center at the beginning of the season, everyone started griping because, A, it was usually when, you know, Breeze had just led a surgical drive and then, you know, he throws out Taysom Hill. On yeah, 32 and, and, yeah. Right. In the <laughs> end, yeah, in the end zone. It's like, okay, like. But at, at the same time, like you said, uh, the, most of those were just designed runs, and everyone knows that. It would uh, even if Breeze is yeah, a hundred percent healthy, it might just even be a smarter game plan to you know use both of them because if they do start switching that out, that thirty five percent of the time, totally different from the beginning of the season where all of the defense just kind of moves up and is prepared to, for him to run. I think that actually could end up being an X factor. And like you said, later in the season, how we kind of talked about on our you know first episode with Delvin, if we end up playing the Vikings in, in the postseason, where Taysom was way more successful with, you know, our interior collapsing and just against that matchup than Breeze, at, you know, at, at the time. And granted, he was just, you know, running a lot more. But I think, you know, if you have two quarterbacks that have two very different skill sets that are strengths, why not use them both? Agreed. And if you put Taysom Hill in, you know, for that 35%, you can run the best, pl- like the, the plays that Taysom has been most successful with over the course of the last four, possibly five, you know, games, whatever he's most comfortable with, whatever he's most successful with, you can have him run those plays and, uh, you might, you might see a higher level of, of success, a higher level of converting. Uh, you know, first downs, potentially touchdowns. Uh, so I think, like you said, I think this is Sean Payton's dream come true if he can actually get this, uh, you know, get these two guys working and clicking with each other. Uh, but running a two offense, a two quarterback offense, obviously is, is a lot easier said than done. <laughs> right. So, yeah. All right. Maggie, what's your score prediction then for, uh, for Sunday? Oh, good Lord. I'm the only one. On Canal Street Chronicles that picked the Saints to win, and I will admit that I am a blatant homer. And so I am going to say that uh, we're going to win because of a couple plays on special teams that push us over the edge. Deonta Harris is back. We'd really love to see a punt return for a touchdown. Uh, I'll go 31, mm, 34 31 Saints. 34 31 Saints. Well, I'm not going to lie, because uh, uh, you can check the receipts. I picked the Chiefs. I I think that, you know, maybe a 50-50 chance that Drew plays as of recording right now. If that, you know, changes, and obviously I think my, my prediction might change as well. But as of right now, I'm picking the Chiefs. I don't think that the offense is going to be able to take advantage of the opportunities that might be afforded to them throughout the game. I, I, I think the penalties on the defense, especially with uh, Tyree Kill out there, who's going to be blazing it up. I think there's going to be a lot of penalties called, which is going to prolong the drives for the Chiefs. 
I'm going to have to say uh, Chiefs uh, 37, uh, Saints 24. Well, guys, thanks for listening. That was our Friday episode previewing the New Orleans Saints, Kansas City Chiefs. Please go ahead and uh, listen uh, to us on any streaming platform. Give us a like. Give us five stars. And as always, you can follow me on Twitter, at Kissner and Maddie at MaddieHudak underscore 94. Thanks, guys. Have a great weekend, and Hudak. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.